Ayan. The green light's on. Yeah, there we go. So about a week ago, I met a guy at a gas station, and he saw me get out of the car, and he kind of peeks his head around the corner, and he goes, you know, you can't keep a good man down. He said, at least not one that knows Jesus. And uh, I'll tell you, Satan's tried if you can hear my voice. So I'd appreciate uh, your prayers as, as uh, this morning unfolds. Oh, Father, we just we thank you for, for you. We thank you for you. Without you, there is nothing. And apart from you, there is nothing. So, Father, I know you have a word this morning. I know that you have hearts that you want to speak to. You have minds that you want to change. You have lives you want to transform. So I pray that in the weakness of my voice that your word is powerful this morning. And that in our weakness that you are strong. That we hear this morning that you and your love for us, that there is nothing stronger than that. So we give this morning to you, Father. Do with it as you will that you only let me speak your word and that this morning is pleasing to your sight. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Skip the video, please. of the Lord what's the one thing you keep asking of the Lord if I could read a transcript of your prayers for the last few weeks what would I see as the one thing that you just keep asking for would it be God just let me dwell in the house of your Lord all the days of my life let me just gaze upon your beauty and inquire in your temple just meditate in your temple. Let me just gaze upon your beauty. God, it's you. Is that what your transcripts would say to me? I mean, it's simplistic, isn't it? He just says, God, I just need to be with you and everything will be fine. It's simplistic, but do you see the obviousness in it? Like, well, of course. If I believe that there is only one sovereign being, the only ruler, the only sovereign, then isn't it obvious that as long as I am close with him, abiding in him, that's all I really need to do. The fruit will come. The protection will come. Everything else will happen. It's obvious. I, I, I want to just gaze upon you and just go, I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ is in love with me right now. I mean, the God of the universe. I mean, isn't it just the most amazing thing when, when he answers prayer and you just think, I just spoke to God. God just listened to me and he answered me. Is there anything better than that on this earth? 
Man, what's better than that? Like I, this little human, this little screw up, this one that doesn't even pray as hard as the other guys, that one that doesn't know as much theology as some of these guys. I'm trying everything else, but I, I fail and I fail and I fail. But then, God, you heard me, you listened to me, you love me. That's the that's one thing I ask for that I will seek after. I'm just going to ask for it. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to go after this. God, the, here's this one thing. It's just that, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So what's the one thing for you? Because when my, when my life comes down, my life comes down to a single point. And that when you strip everything away that you can strip away, it comes down to that one culminating point. And that's when we stand before Jesus. And what is that one thing that matters at that point? And that one thing that matters is our relationship with Christ. Is he going to look upon us and say, I know you. You're one of my sheep. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection and fellowship and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow, some way to attain to the resurrection from the dead. This was Paul's focus, is to know Christ. So over the next few minutes, we're going to take a look at each one of these pieces. And I encourage you, I'm going I'm to throw a lot of scripture at you, to go back over this week and read those scriptures and read all around them because there's way more here than I can fit. But I'm going to just highlight some key things that I believe the Lord wants to say this morning. So we're going to let scripture interpret some scripture this morning. So for this first phrase, I want to know Christ. Well, to know Christ, we first need to know who Christ is. That's kind of important. And it really depends on who you believe Christ is. It's going to determine how you view him, how, where you place him in your life. Is he just a really good guy? Is he a prophet? Is he the son of God? That makes a difference to where you put him in your life. So in Colossians chapter 1, it gives a nice description. It says, He is, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I love how Hebrews says it. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being goes on to say, for by him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness fullness dwell in him. And I love that part. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I think there's one word that all of this just shouts, and that's authority. Jesus has authority. He has authority over all of creation. And I know authority is kind of a tough word in our day and age. We have a lot of rebellious people who are rebelling against authority. But the authority from Christ is such a sweet thing. In Matthew 28, Jesus himself says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We think about some of the authority that Jesus has. He has authority over creation. He demonstrates this by healing diseases, the leper, the sickness, with fever. He has authority over creation. He calms the storm. He has authority over the physical by healing the paralyzed man. He has authority over the spiritual world by casting out demons. He has authority over life and death. He raised the girl from the death, from the dead. He has authority over life for that he forgave sins. And to know Jesus is to know his authority, is to be under his authority and to submit to his authority. So again, why I ask, why is it good to be under the authority of Christ? See, the Apostle Paul was under the authority of Christ. And that's why he was able to say profoundly in Romans 8, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against us whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that was raised to life and is at the right hand of God, but he's also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we get when we're the, under the authority of Jesus Christ. We are untouchables. It, now, notice, it doesn't say that everything is going to be great, that everything is going to be just easy and comfortable. Because it says we face death all day long. That we're going to be persecuted. We're going to experience hunger. We're going to go through hard times. But it doesn't matter what it is. It can never separate us from the love of Christ. He will always come to our aid and give us strength when we need it. So it doesn't mean that we're going to be without trouble. It means that Jesus will always have our back. It means that anything and everything that comes your way, you might be afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. You might be persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but never destroyed. very reason why I can be here now. The next part of Philippians 10 was that I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection. We can look at Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. To know the power of resurrection is to know the power of transformation, to go from death to life. Because before we knew Christ, before we had the power of Christ in us. We were dead. But when we come to a saving faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, we cross over from death to life. We're experienced, we're experiencing, and we have experienced the power of the resurrection of Christ. Because we get to live a new life. We don't have to live as slaves to our sin. We have the ability to overcome the desires of our flesh. We don't have to live like that anymore. We don't have to live in bondage to this world. We get to have new life. Now, there is a goal in this transformation. There is a goal in this, uh, this process 
that we call sanctification. And God shows us this goal in Romans 8, 29. He really does. It says, for God foreknew. There we go. No, I'll read it for you. Romans 8, 29. For, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. God's desire for us has been the same ever since the beginning. His desire is for us to look like Jesus. We can't look like Jesus if we don't know Jesus. We can't look like Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus. I believe in Proverbs it says, be careful of who you hang out with because you'll become like him. Hang out with Jesus more and you'll become like him. So one of the ways that we experience Christ, one of the ways I know that I have experienced Christ in a very profound way is in the next phrase of Philippians 3, 10, and 11. And I want a fellowship in the sharing of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And some of us might read that and think, oh, how poetic. It's far more than poetry. It was interesting this morning, I, I read a, a survey, or not a survey, I read a, um, a study about walking in another, one, in another person's shoes. It was really interesting that this secular study says, advising someone to walk in a mile in their shoes as a way to empathize with them Maybe bad advice for their emotional health. Which I thought that was really interesting because the study is saying, you know what, don't, don't imagine what it's like to be that person because it actually might make you feel bad. That's what it said. And that's what the world is trying to teach. We don't want to feel bad. Just know that it's tough for them, but don't actually... Put yourself in their shoes. But that's exactly what the Bible says about our relationship with Christ. Is that we're to become like Christ. And one of the ways that we can come to know Christ in such a deep and profound, intimate way is to suffer with Christ. But he doesn't have us suffer just because he's suffered. He calls us to suffer to be like him. How can we be like a suffering Messiah if we were to never suffer? We can't be like him. Okay? You can know me. But until you were to come and follow me around Every day, maybe get yourself a wheelchair 
and follow me around. Just imagine the physical constraints. But then the emotional component or in the, in the mental component, thinking you sit down in that and you are never getting up on this side of earth. Until you would do that to me or do that with me, you can't truly know who I am. And that's the way it is with us in Christ. Until we truly are able to identify with him and his suffering, we'll never truly fully get to know Christ. But there's something really amazing that happens when we suffer with Christ. It's that he gives us something in return. In 2 Corinthians, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. See, when Christ sees us suffer for him, now there's a lot of suffering in the world, and a lot of the suffering has nothing to do with Christ. But when we suffer for him, he will come to our aid because he knows the pain. He knows, he remembers what it is to be rejected, to be betrayed. He knows And he loves his disciples passionately. He loves his disciples. And he will never forsake us. But in fact, he gives us hope and he gives us perspective. We can see this in Romans 8. Back to Romans 8. Romans 8 is a great chapter, by the way. Romans 8, verses 16 through 18. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And here's the perspective. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This is nothing when we know the glory that's going to be revealed, trust me, we would do this all over again. Now, as followers of Christ Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes, when persecution comes. Just this week, that it was really interesting. That uh, I heard in the news. Many of you probably have heard this in the news as well. That if you hear from Jesus, that you're mentally ill. How many heard that this week? Yeah. Well, look at that. Okay. 
Isn't that interesting? There's persecution when we say that we're followers of Jesus Christ and that we actually pray to him and that he talks to us. So don't be surprised when that comes. But there is a way to prepare for suffering. And Paul teaches us how to prepare, how to prepare for suffering. Right before Philippians 3, 10, and 11, Paul writes in 3, 7, and 8, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing no- worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So how does Paul prepare for suffering? He's written loss over everything in his life. He's already, con- he's already counted it as gone. All his accolades as a Pharisee, all his deeds for the Jewish people, all his obedience to the Jewish law. He counts it all loss. He counts it loss in comparison with knowing Christ. So, a few questions for us Have you written loss over everything in your life? Such that when those trials come and we might lose our job, we might lose our health, our goals, we talked about anger, our goals are not met, our goals are blocked. If we've already written loss over those things, it doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. But it does mean that we're prepared and that we're able to still be Christ-like in the midst of those trials. And you might ask, but what if it's a good thing? What if it's my wife, my child? The hard truth is, if it's before Jesus in your life, it's not a good thing. So the next part of the Romans 3, 10 and 11 is becoming like him in his death. Well, how can we become like him in his death if most of us, perhaps, may never actually be called to die for the name of Christ? I think Christ experienced at least some level of death.
Paul writes about this in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, though, who though he, didn't, he was in the form of God or the image of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So how can we become like Jesus in his death? We can consider that we have nothing. That we are sheep to be slaughtered. Right way back in the beginning, in Colossians, we said that um, that Christ is is the creator of all things, that he's the one that holds all things together, and that by him and for him he created all things. Do we really live our lives as that we were created for him? Or do we kind of try to cheat God out of that life and take it for our own? Say, thanks, God. And use it as we wish. Or do we humble ourselves in obedience to him? Do we humble ourselves in obedience to his authority? That some of us may have to give our life our very breath for Christ. For me, it's not the question of, will I ever have to? It's will I ever get to? Because imagine that moment in which I'm struck down in that instant I get to stand before Christ. Just imagine what that's going to be like knowing I didn't hold anything back. So do you empty yourself? Do you hold back? Do you hold back and try to preserve your reputation? I don't want to think, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. Back to the whole mental illness thing. People are starting to think we're crazy. And I'm loving it. <laughs> they already think I'm crazy. What do I have to lose? But that's the thing. Christ wants us to give it up to begin with. If we give it up to begin with, it's already lost, it's already gone. It no longer matters. So when God calls you, when God calls you to say something, when God calls you to do something, do you respond, here I am? Or do you first evaluate the situation?
And at the end of all of this, when all is done, our hope is that we will attain to the resurrection. That we will spend eternity with Christ in his perfect kingdom. And the Apostle Paul knows that this life, that this process of sanctification, this process to go through life on this planet is not easy. And there is certainly an enemy that is trying to stop us from knowing Christ and from experiencing him. And that's why in Ephesians, my, it's one of my favorite prayers that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your very soul. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That last line, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That sounds familiar. We've already read that part. You remember? Last slide, Skip. We read it in Colossians when it was talking about Jesus. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And then that's what, just what Paul says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that this love that Christ has for us, this very thing, and why he would put all of his fullness into us, is beyond knowledge. Is beyond understanding. You know what blows me away? The cross. Why would Jesus come and die for me? Just as the video said, I just grew up. I try and I try and I try and I fail and I fail and I fail. But his goal, he sees where I'm at. And he still came and he still died. In, in, um, 
Isaiah 53, it describes Christ. And it says, surely he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows. Um, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed. He was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And then in verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And he did that for me. He did that for you. That to me is love that goes beyond knowledge. But it's so that he can take himself and pour himself into us. That we can experience the fullness of God. Yet while we were sinners, he died for us. Yet while we were enemies of God, he came and he died for us to make us his own. Just as earlier as we, we read how we're, we're children of God, heirs of God, in co-heirs with Christ. In Revelation, it tells us that we're overcomers. And for those who overcome, get to sit on his throne Okay, read Revelation, what the throne looks like. And we get to sit on the throne with them. That's beyond understanding. So what is the one thing that you want? What is the one thing that will drive you day in and day out? What is the one thing that will keep you going? What is the one thing that gives you perspective in those trials? I pray that one thing is Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for you. You continue to just astound your people. your glory, your character, your love, your forgiveness. You are the rock. You are our hope, our joy, our strength, our guidance our light to our path. I I don't even know what other words to describe you, for there are no words. Yet your very desire is to pour yourself into us so that we can experience the fullness of God. And it's in that fullness that we have all the power to overcome.
to praise you. And I pray that you just give us all a testimony of how good and awesome and great you are that demonstrates all the love that you have for us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.